0: to talk about with jeff diamond regarding the vikings we will of course start with justin jefferson and we will get to cousins we'll get to the cowboys we'll get to the schedule we'll get to that spectacular game in buffalo this is jeff diamond's vikings and nfl insider part of talktort.com thanks to our producer brianne Burdett. please subscribe at your favorite podcast app, to this show or any shows you like at TalkNorth.com. It's the easiest way to listen, and it's absolutely free. It's just a convenient way for you to to link up with us, and we do appreciate it. So, Jeff, let's jump right in. Uh, Justin Jefferson. There's so many questions we can now ask about him. Uh, and you and I were talking off the air. Is he the best receiver in the league? Is he the best re- Vikings receiver of all time? Does he have a chance to be historically great? Where might he rank among all-time Vikings receivers, among all-time NFL receivers? I'll just leave it to you. You, you know, you were close with Chris Carter. You were around when the Vikings, uh, you know, drafted Randy Moss. Uh, I mean, you you've, you've been around greatness. What is your
1: take on Justin Jefferson? Yeah. Well, first of all, his performance in Buffalo was otherworldly, shall we say. Just phenomenal. And I I just thought he ha- has been so spectacular this season. And especially in the Buffalo game, even greater than he had been in the past. The obviously the one-handed catch was was just unbelievable and a game saver. And, and, and some people say, well, there was still what two minutes left in the game. They could have stopped Buffalo. Well, f- don't forget that that play started from the Vikings 27 yard line. Mm-hmm. So if that's in, incomplete, Buffalo sitting there with a, a very short field, easy chance to run things out with two minutes to go. The Vikings only, I think at that point had maybe one time out left. And so, yeah, it was a game saver. Just, such, such a great player and when we start trying to uh, discuss where does he stand historically where does he stand in the league right now and the questions are is he the best receiver in the NFL today I say yes I think he's surpassed Tyreek Hill and Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams now Hill's got maybe slightly better numbers but he's also played one more game than than Justin and Justin, I think, is only eighty some yards behind him, so he'll catch him this week or whenever Miami's on their bye, which I think might be this week. Where does he stand historically with the Vikings? I think he's right up there with with Randy Moss and maybe a hair ahead of Chris Carter in terms of best receivers in franchise history. I would also put Anthony Carter in that mix. And as you mentioned, I was with all those players. Saw them very up close and personal for for many years. And I was in Candlestick Park when Anthony Carter had 220-some yards in the playoff win over the 49ers. That was as good a performance as I'd ever seen to that point. And certainly saw Randy Moss in Dallas on Thanksgiving Day and in Green Bay on, on the Monday night in his rookie season. Those were just incredible performances that he had. Jefferson is right in that mode And to me, I think he might even be a little bit better than, than Randy, which is hard to say because he's not as fast as Randy, but just the body control, the elevation, the strength that he has to be able to pull that ball out. I mean, he he's right there with Randy Moss. I'll say that. And historically, I think, I think he could ultimately be, be right there with Jerry Rice and Randy Moss is maybe the best receivers in NFL history. I know that's a big stretch to make a statement like that for a player in his third season, but that's how good this guy is. And 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 we are really witnessing greatness here. He is just phenomenal. And he's the kind of player a team can ride to postseason success. And I've seen it in the past. I think there's a good chance we could possibly see it again. The Eagles lose last night to Washington showed a few warts in their offense and defense. And now the Vikings are tied with Philadelphia best record in the NFL. It could be a situation. Obviously Philly has a tiebreaker over the Vikings from that week to win, but the Eagles still have some tough games ahead as do the Vikings, starting with the Cowboys this week. But let's have a further conversation about Jefferson, Jim. I think he might be the best player in the league right now. And, I would say he and Patrick Mahomes to me are the two best players in the NFL today, and maybe you put Saquon Barkley in that conversation for what he's doing this year. But I'll say he's right up there with Mahomes in terms of impact. Obviously, a quarterback's going to have a little greater impact.
0: Yes, and that, that's why it's a different conversation. But I, I find it fascinating. The great, you know, the great thing about having you on the network is, you know, you're not. Uh, someone in the hyperbole business. You have been in locker rooms. You've been you've negotiated contracts, determining player value. You've been around great receivers. I mean, you're not just throwing this stuff out there. This is just this is reality. And uh, you know, on the Viking Update show on this network, John Krasinski and I were talking about it, and we were both both saying, you know, Jefferson, listen, he's not n- nobody. I don't think anybody in NFL history was the athletic outlier that Randy Moss was in terms of combination of speed and leaping ability, speed size, leaping ability. He could just do things other human beings couldn't do, but he also, you know, he had, he had games where he just didn't produce. He had dropped passes. Sometimes he seemed to lose interest or get frustrated. I think Jefferson combines the best of Moss and the best of Chris Carter. Uh, Moss's catch radius ability to make contested catches with Carter's work ethic. And relentlessness and hyper competitiveness. I mean, and that's you know, those are two great receivers we're talking about.
1: Yeah, absolutely true, and I, I think that's why he's right in that conversation. As you said, Randy, Randy was was a, an athletic freak. We know that, but I think Justin is is sneaky fast. <laughs> he he's also runs runs great routes. Maybe runs even better routes than Randy did, and and that's where he'd be in the same conversation with Chris who was a fantastic route runner, had great hands, was incredible on, on the sideline and in the red zone. And, and so maybe Chris, caught a few more touchdown passes, but Justin Jefferson is, is just such a tremendous player. And as I said, they, they can ride him a long way. I want to
0: thank our sponsors, White Bear Lake Superstore and Platinum Bank. Uh, thanks again for listening to TalkNorth.com. Uh, go to talk.org.com, check out all of our other shows, including the Viking update show. We have a ton of hockey stuff up as well as uh, all, the, you know, the lineup. we have the best lineup in town. Uh, so let's get back to the best player in the league conversation. That's really intriguing. Uh, again, if you talk about value, the quarterback is almost always going to be more valuable because they, they determine what's going to happen on every play and they affect play calling and everything else. But in terms of how good they are, I, first of all, I would take Jeff, Jefferson over Barkley. Uh, any day. As much as I love Barkley, I just think receivers are more important uh, and have kind of a more difficult job in a lot of ways. And so if you want to go down to Mahomes and Jefferson, I mean, I, don't, I really don't know how to compare the two, but we might be talking about my two favorite players in the league. I mean, you know, I love Mahomes and I love everything about him. Uh, and he's he he's going to be at the end of his career is going to be one of the three best quarterbacks in NFL history, I believe. Uh, I don't know how to compare Mahomes and Jefferson, but I do agree with you; that they're both great.
1: Yeah, I, I think that they're to me they're they are the two best players in the in the NFL today, regardless of position. Now, maybe you might throw Micah Parsons, the great Dallas linebacker, who the Vikings will see on Sunday. You might throw him in the conversation he's got to prove it a little bit more over time. And he's been fighting a few injuries this year, ankle, shoulder, and the last two games for the Cowboys, he's had no sacks. He's got eight on the season, but when he's at his best, wow, he he is just a game wrecker, kind of a la Lawrence Taylor type player. And so, yeah, I think you you put, certainly to me, it's Jefferson, it's Mahomes, and probably 1A, 1B, put Mahomes 1A just because he's a quarterback. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. Hard to argue with that. Uh, let's get to that with cousins. Cousins. Uh, you know, I wrote about it. You've, you've been looking forward to talking about this subject for a while. He does feel like a different guy to me. And I'm usually the first person, because I've done this for so long, I'm usually the first person to say, don't give me the BS training camp story that the guy's changed. You know, people, people don't change that much, usually, unless something dramatic happens in their lives. But Cousins is different. And, I you know, I, I talked to some people who Who uh, were around him when he first got to town and he went to Dunkers and all he did was talk about his religious beliefs. And then he was at Dunkers like a couple weeks ago and he's cracking jokes and talking about eating culvers to, you know, breaking his dietary discipline to eat culvers to celebrate home victories. And he was just, he was, he just feels to me much more human. I, you know, he, he's never going to be exactly my kind of guy for a lot of reasons, but he's, man, he's a lot easier to be around. His teammates seem to be having a lot of fun with him. And that stuff is important
1: in a locker room. Oh, I think it definitely is. I think that it's, it's really about leadership. And I, I think that he's become more of a leader on the football team. I don't know that when he first came here that he was respected in that, in that vein as he is now. And I, and I think part of that is because he's let his personality come out more. And the, the Kirk and chains may have been kind of the final thing that, that really brought it out and the, the and the video that emerged from the airplane ride back from Miami I, I, I thought that was great I thought it was fun and it was just refreshing and spontaneous and just fun stuff that happened and and so you got to say that he has in some respects taken his personality his leadership to a new level his performance interestingly his numbers may not look as good on paper, but the victories are coming and he's got five game winning drives this season, which is a a career high for him. And so, yeah, you say, yeah, he's held all these passer ratings in the one hundreds and all this and that, but that was check down Kurt too, who who would make sure that he wasn't throwing interceptions. Now he's taking chances, throwing it up to Jefferson. Maybe it'll get picked off like it did in Washington, but maybe he will make a great play as they did in Buffalo. So to me, he's a better player now, even if his numbers are down a little bit. And it's kind of it's interesting when when you hear the MVP conversation in the NFL, and, and he's I haven't seen him mentioned at all in that conversation. But I think he should be for what's happened with this team and the fact that they've got seven straight come from behind victories, one score wins. And that they're sitting there tied for the best record in the NFL for a team that was picked to be maybe 9-8 and eight or 10-7 and seven going into the season, well, they're a heck of a lot better than that now. And then you come off of that and make your statement game in Buffalo where, yeah, he threw a couple of terrible interceptions, but then he came back and, and won the game, made great plays down the stretch. Jefferson was incredible, but Cousins was putting the ball right there down on the goal line. On the, on the overtime drive that they eventually should have scored on. And we're going to have a little conversation about that too, Jim, with the officiating. <laughs> when when the, the Bills have 12 men on the field on Dalvin Cook's second down run or first down run when he's stuffed for a three-yard loss, what a horribly officiated game. But back to Cousins, he, I think, is a different guy. I think he's a, a different player. I'm going to give O'Connell a lot of credit for that too. That I think Kirk is so much more comfortable with him than he was with, with Zimmer. And it's just it's been fun to see what's been happening with this team. Now, how that how's that going to translate down the stretch? We'll see. And how does it play out in the playoffs is the big question for Kirk Cousins.
0: Right. And and everything you said is true. And honestly, this is what I always wanted to see out of Cousins. Was less less uh, you know, der- can contrived efficiency which is always taking the easy throw, always throwing underneath, always boosting your stats by making the easy throw and then hoping somebody would break three tackles and putting it in, the ball in a position. I mean this is what Stefan Diggs this is why Stefan Diggs forced a trade because he felt like Cousins wouldn't Give him a chance. Wouldn't throw a fifty-fifty ball. Wouldn't uh, you know? Take a chance on his best receiver. Now he's doing it. So I, you know, I can't. <laughs> when He throws interceptions trying to get the ball to Jefferson. I'm not going to complain. But that's, that's what I've been calling for for a long time here.
1: Yeah, and I think that I think that's great that he's doing that. Now, do we want him to make throws like Josh Allen made <laughs> to well, no, to those, just bad, those are just bad throws. Yeah, Those are bad throws. Those were bad reads. Cousins' interceptions. The first one was an overthrow on a, on a blustery day in Buffalo. Okay. That's understandable. The second one, I don't know what he was thinking on that one. I think he, he, I think he saw the wrong Jersey color or something. Yeah, That was just a bizarre play when he's got Thielen wide open out in the flat, but then he rebounded from that. And I think that's another difference in cousins and maybe that's partially O'Connell in the past. Maybe Kirk would have stewed on that and the whole rest of the game never taken a chance and, and been checked down Kirk. Kirk, because he didn't want to throw another pick in the game. Well, he, he's different. The Vikings' offense is different. And as I said, give O'Connell some credit for that too.
0: Now let's see, get to officiating, the Packers, other stuff happening in the division, the conference, the league. Uh, that are, uh, now, now the Vikings are Super Bowl contenders. All this stuff directly impacts the Vikings. But first, let's thank our friends from White Bear Lake Superstore.
1: Yeah, thanks, Jim. Always excited to talk about the White Bear Lake Superstore Buick GMC. My longtime friend, the owner, Paul Rubin, his general manager, Charlie Guttrell, and their fantastic staff, Minnesota's number one volume Buick GMC dealer, six years running with the best selection, and their super friendly premium team. Check out that great website we always talk about, WhiteBearLakeSuperstore.com. You'll see 3.99% APR on 2022 Buick SUV models, and 3.9% APR on GMC Sierra 1500s and GMC terrains with great purchase allowances and no monthly payments until 2023. Check out the all-new next-generation GMC Sierra 1500, reserve yours now, and explore the GMC Sierra HD. The White Bear Lake Superstore also is the Quigley 4x4 van superstore. They are a certified elite dealer. Only 7% of GM dealers make the cut. So visit in-person at 3900 Highway 61 North in White Bear Lake or online at Superstore.com for all your vehicle needs and the premium experience. Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Thanks also to Platinum Bank. Happy to talk about our great sponsor, Platinum Bank. Is your bank a partner or simply a provider? In today's environment, businesses and individuals need a bank that can move quickly and act creatively. Platinum Bank understands the Twin Cities market Partnering with clients to overcome the challenges, capitalize on opportunities, and helping Twin Cities executives to grow their businesses. Platinum Bank's financial products are tailored to meet the unique needs of your organization and solve your problems, not create them. I am a very happy Platinum Bank client and account holder and have personally experienced tremendous customer service working with Executive Vice President Nate Erfer and VP Drew Lynch to learn how Platinum Bank can be an asset to your business Visit www.PlatinumBankMN.com. Platinum Bank, providing a means to a dream.
0: So let's get to officiating. Uh, we're, we're at this place in sports history now where the athletes are bigger, stronger, faster. They're moving at a, at a faster rate. The hits are more violent. <laughs> Uh, And the officials, and we have more camera angles and more ability to go to super super slow motion and see every blade of grass or astroturf that is disturbed by a foot. And the officials are still 55-year-old insurance agents. It's just not
1: working. No, it really isn't. And, wow, I thought the fishing was just terrible in the Buffalo game. When the officials, and, and partially it's on the field, guys, that can't see the bobble by Gabe Davis, a really critical play at that point in the ballgame when, when Buffalo's trying to drive to tie the game and send it to overtime. And I'm not saying that Josh Allen still wouldn't have gotten him downfield without that 20-yard non-catch by Gabe Davis, but it certainly would have been a longer field goal attempt probably for, for Bass in a, a blustery stadium. So I would say the NFL is very lucky the Vikings won this game because not only on that particular call that should have gone to the replay booth, the replay official should have stopped the game or New York should have stopped the game. And it's interesting, Jim, because my son, when he worked at the NFL office in New York in the events department, he would do some work for the officiating department on weekends. And one of his jobs was to be watching games For just that type of situation, if he saw something, he would immediately buzz the the replay booth and and the official on the field and stop the game. And he'd call over the head of officiating and say, hey, you need to look at this. Well, everything broke down in this situation. And Walt Anderson said, yeah, we made a mistake. And yeah, you sure love to hear that after the fact. (laughs) But this was really bad and really bad that this happened. And then furthermore, As I mentioned before, in overtime on that first and goal from the two-yard line, Cook is stuffed for a three-yard loss after Jefferson's great catch gets him down there. And Buffalo's got 12 men on the field, and it's pretty obvious when you look at the replay. So how does that not get challenged by the replay official upstairs? Who's watching this and who officials on the field? How do they not see 12 players you're supposed to count? So I, I thought it was terrible, and... Jefferson was getting grabbed all game long. They weren't calling anything. Now, maybe that might have played to the Vikings' benefit, too, on the second-to-last play of the game when Duke Shelley is covering Knox in the end zone, and uh, it's a little close. I thought it was pretty good coverage because at least he looked back to the ball, but he definitely had his hands in there. So at least they didn't make that call, which could have been a a game-ender for the Vikings and killed them. But – I thought it was really interesting, Jim, Bill Belichick, who doesn't usually weigh in on other games and other things happening around the league, but he had a he was asked at his Monday press conference in Foxborough about the Davis catch. And he said, it just reinforces what he's always said, that coaches' challenges should last the entire game. As long as they've got their two challenges available, they should be able to challenge any play and not have it go to, to the replay officials in the final two minutes of the game or overtime or in the final two minutes of the half. And so I think Belichick is right. And I think in that situation, O'Connell, who said he saw, had a good view of it and thought it was a non-catch, O'Connell would have challenged it. I agree with Bill Belichick. The coaches' challenges should still be alive in the last two minutes and in overtime.
0: That that's a great point. That's really that's really excellent, and it's good. go to Belichick who has standing and reputation in the league to actually bring it up in, on behalf of a, a different team. Of course, he wants the Bills to lose too, uh, so he has motivation. But <laughs> but he's actually right. Yeah. He's actually right about this.
1: Yeah, I, I think he definitely is, and I just think it's something. Yeah, sure. Let let the let the replay people review scoring plays, and and let them still be involved in the final two minutes. If they see something, they can stop it too. I think that's fine, but don't take the coaches' challenges away.
0: Yeah. Hey, let's get to the division. So the Vikings maintain their lead, uh, keep themselves themselves in a dominant position in the division and in an excellent position in the conference. But it was an interesting day of football watching. The Vikings, the Bills, one of the Best games I've ever seen in terms of pure entertainment value, followed by the Packers overcoming a two-touchdown deficit at Lambeau against the Vikings' next opponent, the Dallas Cowboys. And Christian Watson did exactly what they'd been hoping he would do all year, which is make big plays, score touchdowns, beat defenses down the field, give give Rodgers the number one receiver. What are your thoughts on the Packers and the Cowboys uh, after those two, two teams intersect?
1: Yeah, I think it's very interesting what happened. Well, first of all, as you said, I agree with you on the Vikings-Buffalo game. I thought it was one of the most exciting, entertaining games I've ever seen in Viking history, and I've seen a lot of Viking games, as you have, and and it may maybe up there even top two or three in terms yeah. of regular season games. It was just a phenomenal, exciting game, crazy back and forth. Allen fumbling in the end zone after he thought the game was over so many twists and turns and then then Green Bay and Dallas go at it and yeah Green Bay may have saved their season by rallying for that 14 point deficit to beat the Cowboys but we'll see because the Packers now have Tennessee coming in Thursday night this week and then they go to Philadelphia on on Sunday night the next week these next two weeks really critical for the Packers if indeed they're going to get back in the in at least the wild card hunt i don't think they're in the division race with the Vikings four and a half games ahead of them with eight to go, and the Vikings playing well. But, hey, we've seen stranger things. All of a sudden you drop a couple games and things can tighten up very quickly. I think the Vikings are on cruise control for the division. And, and also another key game that happened on Sunday was Seattle losing to Tampa Bay, which gave the Vikings now a two and a half game lead over the Seahawks who are leading the NFC West. I don't think they're going to win the West. I think San Francisco will surpass them, but the Vikings have that two and a half game lead for the number two seed. And they're in the hunt for the number one seed, but getting back to green Bay and Dallas, we'll see about the Packers. And yeah, Christian Watson did some great things with the three touchdown receptions, but can he stay healthy is a question there. Dallas is really intriguing to me coming into this game and, the Packers ran all over them besides the, the three touchdown passes Rogers threw, the Cowboys defense. That was fairly well, high, highly tauted touted this year. They fell apart in the second half. And now you, you, you hear Micah Parsons kind of sniping that, that, Hey, we got guys who are selfish on defense who aren't playing their positions against the run. So there are some red flags that are flying over in Dallas. This is going to be a challenging week. I think for Mike McCarthy to get them refocused and bring them to U.S. Bank Stadium before a hostile crowd. Now the Cowboys have won the last two years here, which is really interesting. And they beat the Vikings the last two years with backup quarterbacks. So it was Cooper Rush last year. It was Andy Dalton in 2020. The Vikings beat Dak Prescott in Dallas in 2019. So it's just it's been a crazy series. But I'm going to be interested to see what happens with this Dallas defense. Parsons is a little banged up with ankle and shoulder issues. Are the Cowboys overrated? I think they are right now because you see all these power ratings and all these rankings. And yeah, Dallas, the top five team. I'm not sure they're that good. And especially after Green Bay came back to beat them. We'll see what happens. CeeDee Lamb's a guy the Vikings are going to have to account for in the passing game. The Cowboys are are the number eight rushing team in the league, and the Vikings have been playing better against the run but have had trouble with running quarterbacks such as Josh Allen and obviously Justin Fields that everybody's having trouble with and Jalen Hurts earlier in the season. I don't know that Dak Prescott is as much of a running quarterback as he might have been earlier in his career with all the injuries he's had. So it's going to be, I think, a really fascinating matchup and I, I think it's going to be a, a great game. Both teams very high in the turnover ratio. The Vikings plus eight now after going plus two in Buffalo and Dallas is plus six. So there, there's a lot of very interesting storylines in this game. I think it will be a fun one to watch. And that late afternoon start, get the U S bank stadium crowd a little more juice up, shall we say? <laughs>
0: yes. And uh, by the way, let's, let's just put it in, clear terms the cowboys since jimmy johnson left the cowboys have been the most overrated sports franchise in america and this team is another overrated team uh people they they it's funny that people talk about you know east coast and west coast bias Uh, there's a there's just star bias in the nfl Uh, if it has a star on it the networks are going to overreact to it they're going to overhype but uh, this, they're just they're just not that good. They're just never that good.
1: Yeah, and, and but as you said, they they can rise up on occasion, and they've done it the last two years with the Vikings here. Well, and they can so win games, but they're not going yeah. anywhere. No, I, I don't think so. I agree with you, and, and you know them very well because you covered them for many years. So you yeah. certainly have seen them at their peak and and in their valleys, and somewhere in between. And I think that's where they are now. I think they're somewhere in between. They got the 20th ranked offense in the league and they're supposed to have all the star power on offense and their defense now has fallen to number 11 and they're 29th against the rush. So hmm, Dalvin Cook could be a good day yeah. for him and the Vikings offensive line. Ed Ingram still kind of concerns me though, Jim. I know. <laughs> especially, especially when he, when he's stepping on Kirk Cousins twice in the game, besides ha- ha- getting beat a few times by Oliver what I'm wondering, can Blake Brandell, who did a really nice job stepping in for Derrissaw, and they better have Derrissaw healthy. He's had a really good year, and, and I think he's on the verge of, of, of stardom, just like Brian O'Neill, I think is a Pro Bowl tackle, and he battled Von Miller so well last week. But, yeah, we're going to see on, on Ed Ingram if he can hold up in there uh, against the Cowboys and against some of the future teams that are coming in.
0: All right, let's uh, continue to talk about teams around the NFL while we do our, our picks. That's why we do the picks; gives us uh, entree to uh, to other conversations about other teams. So let's talk. Start with San Francisco. I think once you get past the two eight and one teams in the NFC, I think the Forty Nine ers are the next most uh, scary team. They have. All pros at tight end, receiver, and running back. All three are incredibly versatile. Garoppolo is playing really well. They've won their last two. San Francisco at Arizona. I'll just be. I'll make the obvious pick. I like San Francisco. I just love the way they're playing right now. I think the Cardinals are an absolute mess.
1: Yeah, and the Cardinals knocked off the Rams, who are even a bigger mess. They are <laughs> Def- yeah. defending Super Bowl champs at three and six. And, and now Stafford, Cooper Cup's hurt. And now Cooper Cup's hurt. And Stafford was out with a concussion. Kyler Murray missed last game. We'll see if he's back. I I think he's got a hamstring. But, yeah, I like the 49ers in this game. I think they're getting healthier. They're getting some of their defensive guys back. And, as you said, have have a lot of star power on offense, too. I still wonder if Garoppolo is good enough to take them back to a Super Bowl as he did before on a team that was so defensive-dominated. But I, I like San Francisco in this game. I agree with you. Uh,
0: Kansas City at Chargers. I'm still not sure what the Chargers are. I really like uh, the quarterback. I really like the coach as a human being. They have talent. They just feel like they're missing something. I mean, they're, they're, hey, they're doing fine. They're 5-3. and three. But Kansas City goes, goes to Los Angeles to play the Chargers. Who do you like here?
1: Yeah, I like the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs are right now with Philly losing – to me I would rank the Chiefs as the number one team in the league and with Buffalo losing I think the Vikings may be sitting there at two but the chiefs I think are are the best team in the league right now that they're playing good enough on defense chris jones is is playing at an all pro level and and Mahomes is Mahomes and he's the best player in the league and 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 making great plays the Chargers have been just beat up this year and it's been it's been a real challenge for for the Chargers to be able to sustain it. And Justin Herbert is a great player, but when he's missing star receivers, and it's just been very tough. And some of his top offensive linemen have been out for the year. And I I like Kansas City in this game. It's certainly the Chargers' last stand. They're two games behind the Chiefs. And if they're going to make a a dent in this division, they've got to win this game at home. But I, I like Kansas City.
0: No doubt about it. Jets at New England. The Jets are playing well. Uh, New England is trying to hang on to what they used to be. I, I just think the Jets are the better team right now. Uh, I'm, I, and I don't like, I don't really like the way New England plays anymore. That Tom Brady there. I'm going to go with the Jets.
1: Yeah, I'm going to go with the Patriots because we saw what happened when the Patriots played the Jets. Oh, three, four weeks ago in New York, they just clobbered them, completely discombobulated Zach Wilson, the, the second year quarterback which Belichick is, has, has a history of doing, and I think he'll do it again in Foxborough. I think if they couldn't beat him in New York, I don't see him winning in, in, uh, in Foxborough. And I th- it's, it's an interesting game for the Vikings to pay attention to and the fans because these are the next two opponents coming up for the Vikings, the Patriots on Thanksgiving night and the Jets the, fo- the following Sunday. So it's going to be, I think, a good game, but I, I like New England this game.
0: Interesting. Well, we'll see. That it's been really interesting. I think the Jets are. I think getting their butts kicked by New England at home sparked something. We'll see if they're actually a different team this time around. Tennessee at Green Bay. The Packers have a chance now to get back on their feet. Tennessee is a very difficult team to play against. To be like in Lambeau.
1: Yeah, this is a this is a tough one. And Tennessee's defense very underrated. Offensively, they they've got Tannehill back now. And I think that makes a big difference. I think the thing that's going to be their undoing is that they had, had traded A.J. Brown, and and he was their big threat as a wide receiver. They just don't have any receivers on that team, and even though they've got Derrick Henry. So if the Packers can get their run defense going, that has been a problem for them. I, I think they can win this game. I, I think it's really a toss-up. And I guess if I had to to pick a team, I'll pick Green Bay at home because I think they're the more desperate team in this case. The, the Titans are on cruise control in that AFC South, even though they want to still get a top seed in the playoffs, but nobody's going to catch them in their division. And so and it's also a short week. It's hard to travel on a short week. I, I, think the, I think the Packers played a little better last week on defense against Dallas and their running game they got going. Rodgers and Watson, I'll take Green Bay in this game. I think they're the more desperate team.
0: Agreed. Now, Cowboys at Vikings. I'll go first, so you have the last word here. Uh, I think the Vikings are the better team. They're playing at home. They're on a roll. I just don't trust the Cowboys at all. Yes, the Cowboys have won two straight against the Vikings with backup quarterbacks. I think this, to to state the obvious, I think this Vikings team is very different, and I think the Vikings win this one.
1: I I agree with you. I think it's going to be close because every game's close that the Vikings play, But but I do think the Vikings are going to win this game. I haven't seen a line yet, but I'm guessing it's probably in the four point range or something like that. I'll pick the Vikings to win this game. I think that that they can run the ball in Dallas. I think defensively they're going to give up some plays, which we know that they've done. But I think they can maybe force Prescott into a mistake, into a turnover. Keeping Zadarius Smith and Daniel Hunter healthy has been such a key to this football team, and. And they've also got a pretty good rotation on that defensive front. And so I think they can can make some inroads there, get some pressure on Prescott, maybe force some turnovers. Uh, I'll take the Vikings in this game. I'll I'll call it 27-20.
0: At so I'm 27-20, I'm going to go 29-21. to The Vikings win it with a little more room to spare than usual. Uh, it's going to be a fascinating stretch here. Cowboys, Patriots, Jets, three good teams, but also three teams that probably aren't as good as the Vikings. This could turn into a very special season. It's been a lot of fun. It's been fun talking about it with Jeff. Reminder, Cheryl Reeve, Roy Smalley, Lavelle Neal, John Millay, John Krasinski, Jeff Diamond, uh, Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, Mike Grimm, Dave Lee, tons of outdoor content. Check it all out at TalkNorth.com. Uh, we have a great lineup. Uh, that includes our producers, including Brianne Burdett. So thanks to Brianne. Thanks to Jeff. Thanks for listening. We will be back next week on a short week. Jeff, you have to get some rest. It's going to be a short week. We're going to talk uh, <laughs> between the two games next week. We'll do another show on Tuesday next week. Uh, so we're right between the Cowboys game and the Patriots game, setting you up for Thanksgiving Day. So once again, thanks to everybody for listening, and we will be back next week.